Shachtan, an Indo Askelige. Time in Mon Irok the Yen of Chacht Erachor, Agasuligum, a Makan Shaw, Gurfeder Echor, Inuik Kart, Len of Winterfein. Skilti, Fis, Turmi. Tashe Dochretche, Nach Vetok, Ara, Igornamion, and Kestian Echo. Vien Talam again Omgrev, Orkar Nrachtum. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. Yeah, having my head shoved into the uh, steps of the Ulster Bank in Ranla, called but of a gun put into the back of your skull, that's a moment where you go, okay, yeah, I think this one's up. How does a high-flying academic become one of Ireland's most prolific bank robbers? What I would see is the most important part of this still lies open. I'm Not Here to Hurt You, a brand new series from the award-winning team behind the Indo Daily. That November day, that's where it all, all begins. Out now, wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Tech Podcast, in proud association with Magnet Networks. Connecting businesses virtually anywhere in Ireland. Hello and you're welcome to The Big Tech Show with me, Adrian Weckler, the tech editor of the Irish and Sunday Independent. And today I'm delighted to say we're joined by the chief executive of AIR, the biggest telecoms company in the country. And we've so much to talk about from National Broadband Plan, AIR's own plans, a few controversial bits and pieces, and lots more in between. But before we begin, uh, thanks very much to Magnet Networks, connecting businesses virtually anywhere in Ireland for sponsoring The Big Tech Show. Caroline, you're very welcome to studio. Thank you. Thanks for inviting me. Um... First, we're going to talk about the National Broadband Plan because it has been a big uh, story lately. One of the things that was interesting to me when I was at the minister's announcement was Leo Radker. Uh, one of the things he said in passing was that he had actually considered renationalizing air. And he said he said they'd costed it and everything it was going to cost five billion euro. Would that, that that would have been an interesting chat between you and him, wouldn't it? <laughs> it would have been very interesting. I read that. Yeah. I read, read that myself. Yeah, as one of the options. Yeah, no, that would have that would have been a surprise. I mean, there has been, you know, there's been a few uh, TDs in the doll who've kind of, you know, anytime there's been, you know, a heated discussion on national broadband plan, mm. you know, that's been, you know, a couple of the lines that have come out from people, and uh, you know, also, you know, uh, let the ESB do it is another mm. kind of line that comes out as as to instead of continuing down the road the government are on mm. as kind of alternatives. I think if I'm, you know, if, if there's one thing that frustrates me about uh, CEO of Air is that, um, you know, people bring us back to privatization, you know, good decision, bad decision. Yeah, probably bad mm. decision, but decision made by people mm. way before me or whatever. And the team that are in place today, the current investors, the current management team, are all about, you know, driving air forward and, you know, no say in mm. the past. And, you know, but it, it it's just something that people tend to just hanker back to. You know, I remember so. covering that at the time. It was I had just started in journalism and it was Mary O'Rourke was the minister right, at, yeah. at the time. And the big story at the time was how much people might make out of shares, but buying shares in Aircoma at the time. Everybody was you know, buying shares and trying to make money. And then the, then the, sh the share price 
fell a bit and then it was a disaster. And it, it struck me, it was interesting how the mood was affected by literally what happened in people's pockets. I don't think people were thinking down the line in terms of um, national infrastructure. But we'll, we'll get on to um, Air's own plans for mm. what it plans to do with the network uh, in uh, the future. The only thing I, I wanted to ask you about the national broadband plan was the it the way it is set up is it's going to be largely based on existing infrastructure, meaning air's infrastructure. Yeah. It's actually a very, very nice payday for air in the sense that the figure that was being discussed yesterday was somewhere close to a billion euro of the of the three billion will actually go in rental and, and other costs uh, to, to air. So, so, so I don't believe it is a, a great pay. I accept one billion is a lot of money, but mm. I think you, ha- you have to kind of, you know, look at how that, you know, is made up. So, as you know, our prices are regulated. Yeah. So the pole and duck prices are set by the regulator and we're allowed to make it just over an 8% return on, on those. It costs 600 euros for a pole. There's 1.2 million poles in the intervention area. And over the course of this project, you know, maybe not the 25 years, but certainly into the 30 years, probably every one of those poles will have to be replaced. And just to give you an example, you know, um, Storm Ophelia, not that long ago, we had to replace two and a half thousand poles after Ophelia. So, you know, it's an overhead network subject, you know, so there's a lot of money goes into maintaining that network. Currently, we have customers on our copper network in the intervention area. So the money that we get from them kind of pays for the maintenance of that infrastructure. In the future, we won't have them because you have to believe that they will migrate onto the new fibre network Mm. that's been built, built by MBI. So we won't have that revenue coming in. And we'll still have to maintain that network because MBI's, you know, MBI's fibre will be hanging on it. So the reality is when you do the sums from an air point of view, um, you know, it's the revenue that we're going to lose from those copper customers migrating is over the, the lifetime of this project is almost equivalent to the money that we're going to get from renting out uh, our ducks and poles. Uh, you know, so, th- so that's one thing. The other thing is there is other infrastructure there. You know, other suppliers like ESB have infrastructure. You know, people have decided to use our infrastructure. They have a choice. They haven't gone to the ESB. You know, that's a choice that they could use theirs if they wanted to. And the prices of those poles hasn't changed since 2016. So this is not a surprise to everybody. Mm-hmm. Like everybody, you know, the prices are regulated. They haven't changed. So everybody kind of knew what they were getting into. So And because everybody knew, and 8% is a pretty good return, mm-hmm. to, to be fair, and especially on volume like that, on looking 25 to 35 mm-hmm. years into the future when you know that you're going to have recurring revenue. Because everybody knew that, like you say, might that have influenced... For example, Air's decision in not proceeding with its own bid because it knew or reckoned it bet that most of this was probably going to have to run over Air anyway and that there would anyway be a recurring uh, stream of income so that it maybe lessened the attractiveness of actually going full steam into running the NBP itself. So I suppose, you know, that my background in air, I, I ran the wholesale business and the open air business. So like my job, at, was I, I led our MVP program from the start. Mm. That was that was my job as part of uh, the open air MD. And, you know, when we when we set into this pro- project, we were absolutely determined to win it. I used to get 
you know, teased a little bit around the SMT because I felt we could win both lots because mm. I thought we were the best people to do it. Because it was two lots. It was, yeah, it was divided two, at yeah, one time. Divided in half yeah. into two lots. And I thought we were the best people to do it. We had the infrastructure. We know how to build. Building in rural Ireland, you and I have talked about this before, is not easy. It's challenging. Um, so, you know, absolutely are, you know, for us to, to win that network, it gave us a chance to upgrade our copper network in rural areas, to hold on to that revenue we have from rural customers, to expand our wholesale offering. So from our point of view, we were you know, really excited about participating in that. But as the process went on and layer after layer of complexity, you know, got built into the process and particularly for us because of where we come from, an ex-incumbent, big wholesaler. And again, we've talked about these, but the requirement that our wholesale business couldn't sell into the intervention footprint and we'd have to set up another wholesale mm. ne wholesale um, function. The requirement that the SLA for, for this rural network would be better than the SLA that exists, you know, for ur in, ur in urban in terms of how quickly we repair a fault when it's down. And the risk for us that, you know, you agree to something in the intervention area and suddenly it's an overhang into the rest of your business and the cost. So when we started adding all those things up, there was no business case in the end, even with an intervention mm. for air to, to participate well. in the M MVP. And, you know, to be honest, it was, you know, it was a very sad day when our CEO wrote that letter to say we were pulling out. Personally, I felt, you know, very disappointed because, as I said, I, f I always felt we could win it and, and do a good job in delivering it. But having made that decision, it's actually, and now we've new shareholders are on board who are long-term telco people. We've been able to make decisions about where we're going to spend our capital, you know, make our own plans and get on with, you know, delivering those. We'll be finished our 300,000 rural rollout at the end of June. And then our national fibre bill starts in July. So we're not hampered or tied up into complicated processes. And it's great, you know, to be frank, to be paddling our own canoe and getting on with the things that we want to do, of course. We'll support MBI. They will be using our infrastructure. But as I said, for us, revenue we lose from the copper customers migrating, we'll get back on rental. But we'll still need those people to maintain the poles and to do all that. We have a thousand people, you know, working on our network, you know, looking after it. And, you know, and we, we need to keep that and continue to support MBI. Uh, I want to ask you about that, your, your fibre plans for AIRS network. But just before we leave the NBP, I remember interviewing the successive executives in air, including chief executives. And at the time, it was thought that maybe a billion euro or so might do it, maybe a billion, billion and a half. But I, I'm not sure at the time that anticipated this would be fibre to the premises in, you know, 96% of cases or whatever. Now that we know that it's going to be fibre to the premises in almost every case, even in some island cases, as far as I, as I understand, are you surprised that the cost is what it is, or do you think that roughly reflects uh, what it what it actually costs to build that sort of infrastructure out? So there's a couple of things. First of all, um, 500 million was never realistic. So to say it's gone up, you know, six is is not right because I, that was an initial number that went out, and I think no, that was that wasn't a cost based number. That was just a number. And so yes. I think you know, to be fair, I think to say it, it, it was ever that is wrong. So I think so. Am I surprised? No, I'm not because I think, and I, and I know the department did this for the right reasons, that ambition for 100%, mm. but very few other countries have said 100%. Nobody has. They've said 98%, yes. 97% or whatever. We, 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 we would be out on our own here. Oh, no, I, I mean, I looked at the, so our fibre build, I think, when we do fibre to home, we'll put Ireland as top three in Europe for um, premises passed with fibre to the home. 
if this goes ahead on MVP and that happens and it's fibre to the home, that'll put us number one. By a long way. By, by a long shot and very hard hard to catch. And you'll find, you know, it's that last, you know, 5% of those 50,000 to 100,000 homes that are going to drive mm. an awful lot of the cost. And I think that's the debate. So, okay. you know, to me, that's that's a that's a political decision. It's yeah. a societal call. Mm. You know, is that kind of money worth that so that people mm. can live and work where they want? It's not an economic call. It's There's not no a, right or wrong. And that's no, and it's not a business case. You know, it's not yeah. a bi- you're not going to decide this looking at the business case. You've got to, you know, take in the bigger picture about what kind of society we want. How does that all work? Or whatever, uh, absolutely. You know? I mean, that's a very good point. Um, sometimes when we're talking about this value of mo- for money element, we're sometimes it's not clear whether we're talking about a strict business economic return from that physical area or whether it's a societal thing we're talking about long-term investment in Ireland as a society, as a country. Um, so I, that's an excellent point. It's one that's uh, kind of rarely made. I think it's probably one the, the government wants to make at the moment. And I know politics gets caught up in this because it'll be accused of trying to uh, curry favour with the electorate before uh, local elections, um, etc. But anyway, look, that's the national broadband plan. Um in terms of Air's own plans for uh, fibre, you and I have spoken before about the idea of Air needing to revamp its own network in urban areas. Yeah. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Where do you see, like, where does the phone line, the copper phone line, on which, upon which so much of Air's network is still built, where does that sit in 10 years' time? Will all of that be effectively replaced I know you've regulatory duties there but will it be effectively replaced by fibre yeah. so I think it will I think a little bit of a history lesson not too long but if you, if you think of air post examinership and so how do we get this company onto a sustainable footing going into the future and as you've said I think and I agree one of the most important companies from a, from an Irish point of view and the decision was made you have to invest in infrastructure and that we had under underinvested for years with various shareholders have to invest in infrastructure and the decision at that time was made to do fibre to the cabinet so to take fibre from the exchange to the cabinet but la- leave the copper line from the cabinet into someone's home and that decision was based on uh, we had a budget to invest and that was going to give us the best possible reach in terms of, so you get, you know, you get a lot more homes passed with fibre to the cabinet in terms of homes passed costs versus fibre to the home. And so set off on that. And absolutely, if you look at our numbers and, and the turnaround since, you'll see that a lot of that's been driven by customers getting onto our NGA network, both on the wholesale and the retail side. And, but not uniformly successful right across the country. So when you look at us in the cities and you look at our, our network market share, i.e. so wholesale and retail customers, were like our, our network share across the country is 68% wholesale and resale. Mm-hmm. Our network share in the cities is 40%. So, you know, if you look even at our retail market share up in the 30s, um, you know, across the country, but, you know, much lower in the city. So we, have, we haven't done as well, you know, in urban areas. And, you know, we want to be the national telco champion. So we need to have a product that people really want in the cities. And, you know, cable built out in the cities with no competition from air because we weren't investing. You know, previous shareholders made those decisions. That's versions cable, yeah. Yeah. Um, so now this is our opportunity, I think, to, to, to address that and take back some share. I think it also, so what so we're You just gonna, made the decision. Yeah. Just look, we've got to do this. Fibre's the fu- fiber to the home, we believe, is the future. Mm. Now, we, again, we'll have this conversation. At the moment, most people buying fibre to the home are buying at 150 megs, yeah. even those are the gig available. But sure, a gig for most of us is no use because your laptop doesn't, you know. Right. But in the future, uh, that will change. 
the question is, do you want to be building your network when it's changed or do you want to have your network built in advance yeah. so you're ready for the change? And I think anyone who tells you, oh, people are going to move from fiber to the cabinet to the fiber home that year because, you know, it's going to be right. They don't know. The well, that's interesting because one of the issues we see in all uh, across broadband debates is this idea of take up in the national broadband plan. It's it's sometimes used as an argument as to why it may not be value money because take up might only be 20 percent in year one. Um, what's your perspective on that? My uh, understanding has always been that a take up of 15, 20, 25 percent in year one or year two for a new product like fiber is Perfectly decent. Perfectly decent, and I, and I always say, you know, uh, you build networks for life, not for Christmas. You know, these are to, these networks are to sustain us into you know into the long term. And households in rural Ireland that won't want broadband today in twenty years, in ten years, in five years, because there might be a change of household or whatever, will want it. Mm. So, do I believe that having for air to have a fibre to the home network across the majority of our homes past in the future will make give us a sustainable position where we can be very competitive, you know, across urban. Absolutely, I do. And I want to have it before people absolutely want it, mm. you know, and, and early, early adopters. So we're very, very happy with the uptake on our fibre to the home network. It's well within our business case, you know, recommendations. And we've also found in the past that as, you know, what you'll see, we do some analysis per quarter so, the homes that we released in the first quarter, their uptake rate is considerably ahead of the average now. So you see, you know, quarter by quarter, mm. the early got, you know, you see it happening. There's always, you go into any place and there's pent up demand and you get mm. that kind of fairly quickly. They all come on board and then it builds. And, you, we, and we, we measure it like that and we're, we're very, very happy. Well, with even the if you look at Comreg's figures, um, if their quarterly report, the broadband stats, the last quarter that I looked, which I think was Q4, for 2018, the fibre to the premises stats were up 128% year mm. on year. They're running at 25% quarter on quarter. Nothing's even close in yeah. terms of take up. Now, I know that's driven by Aaron Syro's mm. rollout. Yeah. I think it's 90,000 was the last Comreg figure between mm. the two. And sorry, between, the, I think there are other, a uh, couple of other operators that do op, uh, offer um, fibre to uh, the premises as well. But Actually, does, does Magnet? I think Magnet offers it. It does, it? but it, it, they'd be in the very small numbers. Okay. I mean, the majority yeah, of that will be ourselves. Yeah, yeah. And just a reminder that you're listening to The Big Tech Show here with me, Adrian Weckler. And thank you again to Magnet Networks, connecting businesses virtually anywhere in Ireland for sponsoring The Big Tech Show. Let me ask you a little bit about what that's going to replace. Are we effectively looking at the end of the copper phone network. Yes, we pretty much are. So, I mean, if you so if you think we, we took fibre from our exchange to our cabinet and now we're going to do that second leg, you know, and we're going to take it from the cabinet right into someone, someone's house. Mm. So we will not need then that copper line that's going into And we, we know copper limits us because of the distance and the quality and the, and the copper network's kind of getting older and, you know, whatever has, has, you know, done its job. So I suppose our plan, and again, we're, we're regulated, so we need to engage with industry. We have wholesale customers. We have, you know, our regulators. So we are starting that process now to engage with the regulator and industry to say, well, what does a, you know, a world without that copper network mm. as well? We, to be honest as well, we don't want to have to support two networks in the future. If you look at, um, you know, the line fault in index, you know, that we have on copper and fibre, mm. it's much better on fibre, right. you know, so you get a lot less faults. Mm. Like copper is... 
Copper loves lightning. You know, we yeah. get a lot of lightning in Ireland. It's not great with water. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't have those challenges with fibre. It's also lighter. It doesn't come down as easily. Mm-hmm. So, you know, for us to have, you know, our network all fibre, you know, no copper, again, gives us an opportunity to be much more efficient going forward. So that's the plan. If you're going to ask me exactly when, I can't tell you, except that we're we kicked, we're kicking it off now. And it also, it will also depend on how quickly people migrate off that copper network onto the onto the fibre network. But we'll we'll work with the regulator and we'll work with industry. Uh, you know, and I think in the future that would be good for Ireland as well to have, yeah. you know, the vast majority of customers served by an all-fibre network rather than a fibre and a copper network. Let me ask you about mobile, because mm. Air, which was Meteor, uh, it, it's the third largest network here. Ireland has quite a lot of network operators, mobile operators for its size. Um, what do you think? First of all, are, are you, do you think that's a sustainable future for three network mobile operators in Ireland? Because I know AIR has a plan to cover the island geographically. Mm. I think 99% you've got planned yeah, with 4G. Yeah. I want to ask you two questions about it. First of all, is there space for three net- network operators? And second of all, I think there was a recent Comreg report which suggested that to cover Ireland geographically with, I think it was 4G they were measuring, would require an extra 6,000 or so mass, something like that. Does that sound about right? So I think, so um, on the Comreg one, I think they have set their criteria mm. at a higher bar than ours. So I think that's excess. That's they were excess. thinking of as a broadband alternative, yeah, as a standalone yeah, yeah, broadband exactly. alternative. Yeah, exactly. So I think that, that kind of weighs okay. that. I mean, so we're not as many, you don't need only six SMS. Back to the question of, you know, so I think if we all had our time again, if you, if you had no mobile network, mm. you would say, I think in a country like this with our, you know, our mental people living in rural Ireland, our population distribution, you'd build one fantastic network mm. and then you'd say to everybody, use the network. Network and you know differentiate on your brand, your service, your maybe you have a lot of MVNOs. Yeah, yeah I, I think if you, you know if you started again, you know look just look at our size. You know we're the yeah. size of Greater Manchester and we yeah. have big big players here, but that's not where we are. Mm-hmm. Um, and from our point of view, um, because of our you know our history, our history in terms of you know Meteor was historically you know when we when we bought that company a prepaid offering where I suppose the USP was value rather than. And coverage, let's mm-hmm. be honest. Now, over time, we've invested in the network and we've definitely improved it. But again, and it's back to my point in terms of where we under-index with cable in the cities, we under-index in uh, business mobile. So even though we have a business relationship on the fixed side with the majority of companies in the country, you know, there's some multinationals where they, have, they do deals na- nationally that we don't, but most of them. But when you look, does that translate into a mobile relationship? Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't. And that's because I think particularly for business customers and postpaid consumers, network, you know, is the USB that they're really interested in. You know, so we believe, again, to compete and to get our, you know, our appropriate share of mobile, that we need a network that's as good as Vodafone's. And and that's what and that's what we're going to do. Mm. So we're going to have um, we're going to increase the number of sites we have by 25 percent. So another 500. And we're going to bring 4G Everywhere, everywhere. We're going to bring fiber to about between forty and fifty percent of our sites, and uh, and then we're going to start trialing five G as well later on uh, in the second half of this year. Okay, there's quite a lot. I, mean, I have a million follow up questions uh, to all that. I probably can only ask one or two. <laughs> um, one of the things I would ask, uh, let's just go with five G. What do you think five G is going to be used for? Do you have any idea? So at the moment, I mean, at the moment, I, I don't know. I mean, don't know. I'll tell you what we're, tra- so we're trying, we're trying a couple of things. Uh, so we're, at the moment, we're thinking about it in terms of 
from a mobile broadband point of view. And that's what we're going to look at first. I mean, don't get me wrong, if there's 5G handsets available by Christmas, we'll, we'll range them as well everyone else. But we're, we're looking at that and what it can do on those, you know, those at the broadband side in terms of speeds. You know, because I think it can be a solution for some people. It's not, in my opinion, the answer to the national broadband plan because there will always be gaps. And the whole idea of the national broadband plan is not to have gaps. Mm-hmm. So so we're looking at that. We're also trialling it in some rural locations in terms of FWA, again, to see what that solution looks like. So that's that's all we're doing at the moment. I mean, when you look, I suppose, at um, the future of you know driverless cars, and you look at, you know, the medical things of monitoring or whatever, where you need to be absolutely no latency and oh, whatever. I think there are potentially applications in the future, but what exactly they're going to be, I'm, I'm not sure yet. Mm. What about things like phone numbers that we take for granted today? I mean, you and I, I'm sure, like everybody else, are migrating a little bit more, not completely, but a bit more into things like WhatsApp mm. and direct message you know, kind of platforms and Skype and FaceTime and all that kind of stuff. Do you think there is a place for the traditional phone number in 10 years, 20 years time? I don't know. I I mean, it's it's hard. It feels unlike, I suppose, I still, you know, use voice. I mean, I do use WhatsApp. We all have our family WhatsApp and the GA Club and all that good stuff. So I I use all of those. But but I also use voice. And I, you know, I I was travelling for the last month and I, you know, I, I, maybe I'm unusual, but I ring my husband and whatever. Yeah, um, well, you but, sort of have to. Uh, yeah, you can't my, pawn that one off with a text. I know, but the kids don't. You know, my kids oh, don't they ring. Just text? They don't ring me. They, you know, I mean, if I uh, ring them, they do answer. Yeah, but they're much more inclined to to, to WhatsApp me. Yeah, or or text. You know, whatever. You know, so that generation. Do they leave you WhatsApp voice messages? And they don't That's leave. Yeah, no, they, a big thing. Yeah, with... they don't so much. Maybe they just don't like talking on the phone. But <laughs> you know, so so that generation. You know, they're not going to have grown up making those calls or yeah. whatever. So for them, you know, it'll you know, and, and there's probably 15 applications that you and I haven't thought about mm. that will be be there. I've never been a fan of the old video or FaceTiming, to be honest. Maybe no. that's just me. Uh, that's never been my thing. Yeah, that's a funny one, actually, with that. I never thought that that... When, when that first came in on phones, video calling, yeah. uh, MMS, uh, messi- all that yeah. sort of stuff, I, it seemed that hardly anybody used it. And I kind of misinterpreted it at the time as thing that people were mm. awkward or uncomfortable with sending video messages. But I actually think it was just the cost at the yeah. time. Maybe that yeah. put people off. Um, I think as well, the quality of the phones at the time as well, if you remember. you know, I think, that, again, mm. that was one of those ones where the services were ahead of the devices. And then I think the devices now are probably ahead of some of the services or the applications in terms of, you know. Yeah. Um, And similarly, I'm wondering what a telecoms network is going to be used for in 10 or 20 years' time. Like at the moment, yourselves, Vodafone, uh, you've, in the last few years, you're trying to get into TV, for example, because you have this network, so why not, Mm. you know, uh, repackage your own TV service? Um, What else might people use a telecoms network for? Do you think? I suppose, I mean, again, you know, who knows looking to the future, but if you look at, you know, you know, smart home mm. and you look at, you know, health and all of those, you know, the telecoms networks connect almost every home and every business or whatever, you know, so they may not be, you know, taking voice calls, but, you know, will they be monitoring, you know, in the world where, you know, smart metering and, all, you know, Will they be your your almost your home kind of mm. monitoring device, you know? And that's what they do for your rat, you know. Whether yeah. it's whether it's the checking your blood pressure or, or you know, will that be their role rather I, than I the traditional? Think that's, I definitely think that's coming in down the line. I can already see it with the things like the Apple yeah. Watch and and, and particularly in a country like this, you know, I think we should be very slow in a country this size to build another 
sort of root into the home if we have them. You know, like it's just, it's just, it's expensive and difficult to build here. You know, it is. So if you have a link in and you have an application, whether it's, you know, health monitoring or meter monitoring or whatever, why yeah. wouldn't you use those networks to do it? Because, you know, again, and, you know, um, having come from the wholesale side of air, I'm completely bought into the, into the we spend a lot building networks and we need to have as many people on them as possible mm. with as many uses as possible because that's, you know, that's how you get a return. You know, an empty network is no good for anybody. Right. You know? What about things like cars? Uh, there's a lot of talk that autonomous vehicles, self-driving, mm. self-driving cars, cars, will need uh, 5G, very high-speed networks. Um, but that seems to me to be like... Uh, just a symbol of an entirely new way of thinking about mm. phone networks that we're, things are just going to connect uh, to a phone network and and just work. On the issue of cars, do you see any movement there at all? Any kind of... So we've... Nobody's talking to... You know, we're not engaging with anybody. I mean, do I think, you know, it'll happen? I, I think it probably will. Uh, I think it could be very liberating for people, you know, and, you know, be, actually, I think about older people, you know. Oh, self-driving cars? Yeah. Oh, 100%. I, I, I think of older people. I can't wait. You know, the way you lose, you know, someone suddenly decides that they maybe don't feel confident about driving anymore for whatever oh, reason look, we, and the isolation yeah. and, the, you know, I think that would be, I mean, that could be absolutely am- well, amazing. I mean, talk to Michael Heady. I remember uh, ringing Michael Heady Ray up about this when self-driving cars were first a thing a couple of years ago and, uh, I was put. I put it to him. Look, you keep campaigning about rural isolation and the death of mm. the rural pub. This is this the is answer fantastic. to your dreams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can go. You have your six pints. Get yeah. in the car. Just yeah. tap the Google Maps, yeah. and we've all had a. Well, maybe a, have your sensible two pints. Well, no, <laughs> no, 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 be, no. Because you can have your. Well, hang on. It depends, depends how much you can drink. Yeah, Sorry, yeah, let me just yeah. pedal back. From a health point of view, maybe have a couple of pints point and of then from be a, able to have someone to bring From a road home. safety yeah. point of view, you're okay uh, with, say, four pints. <laughs> uh, because you. No, no, because you sit in, uh, you just tap oh, the no, thing where you idea. want to go. Um, and the other thing, we were just talking about this the other weekend. Um, uh, we've, all, we've all had experience of a difficult family conversation with an elderly relative. Mm. Where you're telling somebody who don't think you should be driving anymore. Yeah, I yeah, know. I agree. I agree. That's a really tough conversation. Completely, but also then the loss of independence that brings to someone. So you know, having to get someone mm. to bring you to the hairdressers, or you know, or Massive. your doctor, or to mass, or whatever. Yeah. yeah. You know, I think you know. So again, to me, that's societal. Mm. Uh, but you'll need good networks to support that, obviously. You know, mm. because there can't be gaps, in, you know, in that world of self-driving no. cars. Of you know. Um, so, you know, in the 20 years time, probably a lot less communications being done on the telephone networks and a lot more, you know, supporting those new applications, supporting, you know, monitoring in your house, whether it's your house itself or, or, or your physical health within your house. Mm. Mm. We're, uh, there's been this argument recently. I've been gotten involved in quite a few, a lot of debates over the overall effect of things like digital communications, Facebook, WhatsApp, all that kind of stuff. And there has been a narrative for a lot of years. You hear in a lot of radio shows that, uh, it is destroying young people's ability to communicate and it's kind of, uh, it's it's a black mark in how we socialize. I have a kind of a different view, especially with older people, particularly with, with the likes of Facebook. I see a lot of my elderly relatives now, they use Facebook an awful lot. Mm-hmm. And for them, it is frequently the only platform by which they can communicate uh, uh, Say post something and have somebody respond to them. Now they, you know, they'll go down to the post office as well. It's not a substitute, 
But it is actually something yeah. that I don't think it's nearly as negative as. No, I think it's a, it can be. There can be really good ways at um, keeping in touch with you know more and more broader mm. networks of people that you meet through your work, through your travels, through your fa- you know it's that you know you you're not going to write fifteen letters a week or whatever. So I, I think that's one. Also, I think it's made the world more small. I'll give you an example. A few years ago, he was watching the. I was watching the Dublin hurlers. I was abroad. Uh, a friend of mine was at the game. Uh, which I think was in Kenny. Another friend was in Spain. I was in the US. I was watching it on GA Go. Mm. We were all communicating with each other, you know. And I thought, I remember thinking, wow, mm. you know, this the world is a much smaller place today. We all really enjoy this. And, we're, and the enjoyment was A, watching it, but B, communicating with the yeah. people who I know like to watch it as well. Where, whatever you know what? the world this they're in. This is getting too happy clappy. Yeah, sorry, we're, sorry, we're, sorry, we're descending into mean. almost like an infomercial <laughs> uh, uh, tone here. Okay, let me just be, we don't have too much time left. Let me uh, let me come back actually to another issue um, uh, recently with AIR. Uh, two weeks ago, I think, um, it seemed that AIR took on about 400 million euro of new debt. Um, now, you know the country we live in and that, that, Things like that may spark cynicism to say, well, hang on a second. Is this, is this just is this a new wave of air being leveraged um, and debt being loaded, uh, loaded onto it? So the answer is absolutely not. So, yeah, so we did go out to the markets to refinance um, some loans and bonds that we had. Um, you know, since our NJA, NJJ acquisition, we have, you know, made our investment plan. So we've decided we're spending a billion euro on capital. Those contracts are signed, you know, so the fibre to the home contract is signed. The mobile work has already started. Fiber to, so that, that's all agreed and that capital is there and, and planned for. Over Since the acquisition, we've been able to take our net leverage down from 4.1 times EBITDA to 3.7 times EBITDA. Um, even, and uh, with that, you know, investment kind of baked in, so we saw an opportunity to go to the market. We were well, well oversubscribed. We got a much better rate than we had today, than we have today. And we were also able to push our um, time to pay out from uh, 1924 uh, to to two years to 26, which means we can get all our investment plans delivered and have, you know, seven years before we have to look at the balance sheet again. So we saw an opportunity to do that and we took it. Um, our, Our plan for leverage is going to be three and a half times to four. That has just will just put us above that now, but within twelve months we'll be back in that three point four, uh, three point five to four range. So you know, and I think again, I, and I think there's a lot of this is historical, but you know, investors invest to make a return, and as long as you know you're investing the right in your infrastructure to make sure your business is sustainable, you have a decent you know leverage percentage, which three, three and a half to four is is absolutely fine. Looking at other you know European telcos, then that's absolutely fine. I, I like I'd love the dialogue. For air, air, and investors, and, and dividends, and whatever, to become the norm. I mean, to be honest, that's a great result for us to be able to go out and be as oversubscribed as we were to get a better rate to extend it out by two years. I think shows a lot of confidence in air and kind of what we're doing, you know. But but it, it's it's never picked up like that. But I but that's in reality that's well, the same. I, I, presumably, it's not picked up like that because air is still even if we do have a national broadband yeah. plan, air is still seen as aside from the ESB and maybe Irish Water. Ireland's most important utility, even still, and it's regulated yeah. in fairness as such. So, uh, probably a lot of people are less interested in whether Air is making a handsome return for its investors than whether it's actually you know providing oiling society and oiling the economy. Yeah, but I suppose, but look at what those investors are doing. Like they, you know, they've com- they're committing one billion euros 
of their money to improving the telecoms infrastructure in Ireland. You know, if we were Google or Facebook, there'd be a statue. You know, like I, I like you know what I mean. So I think it's you know there's it's nothing for nothing. They you know they picked Ireland. They're confident. We've made those decisions. We're doing the investment. So you know I, you know I th I think that has to be kind of you know acknowledged. I mean they could spend their money somewhere else, and they decided to spend it on fibre infrastructure in, in in Ireland. And our previous investors, to be fair to them, decided to spend two hundred and fifty million of their own money on bringing fibre to rural Ireland. You know when everyone else was kind of talking about it and you know involved in MEPs. We actually went on and got on with it. So, you know, I think that's kind of putting your money where your mouth is in terms of, and we take the risk. If no one goes onto that rural network, then it's my problem or it's our problem. And that's not the case, which is great. But, you know, I think that's, you know, you know, risk return, you know, and investors, I think, to be fair, post-examinership investors and our current investors in particular because of their long-term view, I mean, they are going to hold air to perpetuity. You know, that's what they want to do. You know, have faith in air and faith in Ireland, which is why they're spending their money here. Okay, last question. You're a GA fan, Dublin. Yeah. I asked Sean Bolger of Imagine This a couple of months ago. I couldn't ago. believe his answer when okay, I heard Okay, I asked him whether, as a Dublin fan, he wanted five in a row. He said no, being the uh, the reason he gave was he thought it would be bad for the game and it would deter other counties. Your your view? I absolutely would love um, Dublin to do five in a row. I think it would highlight the special team that this Dublin team is. And I absolutely hope and pray that I'm there in August um, watching them lift the Sam McGuire for the fifth time. Okay, fair enough. Um, Carolyn Lennon, Chief Executive of Vera, thank you very much for coming into studio today. That is all we have time for this week, folks. I'm Adrian Wechter, the tech editor of the Irish and Sunny Independent. Thanks again to Magnet Networks, connecting businesses virtually anywhere in Ireland for sponsoring the show. We'll talk to you same time next week. Bye-bye. The Big Tech Podcast, in proud association with Magnet Networks. Connecting businesses virtually anywhere in Ireland.